Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. Today it's me, Jeff, and I'm here with Aaron and Greg. And today we're taking a reader's suggestion and talking about single speed mountain bikes. So, to start it off, I want to ask maybe an obvious question, but what is a single speed mountain bike? Well, it's kind of self explanatory. It's a mountain bike with just a single gear. So, there's just typically one chain ring in the front, one cog in the rear. No derailers, no shifters, nothing like that. So it's pretty much the simplest form of a mountain bike. So what are the advantages of a single speed? Why would someone want to make their bike that simple and sort of basic? One advantage is a lower cost. Um, One main thing that adds cost to mountain bikes are the components that you put on it. So if you don't have to put on a full-blown drivetrain, you're going to save money. And uh, we'll probably talk about this later, but... Basically, all single speeds are hardtails or rigids, so you're saving costs on rear suspension and other components that aren't required, um, and you're just removing them from your bike. When you remove those components, you also save weight, so not having a full drive means your bike is lighter. So lots of times when you see like the uber-low weight quotes for some of these hardtails, it's like the weight... With a tubeless setup and like skinny tires and a single speed drivetrain, you know, which um, may or may not reflect real life, but for single speeders, it could. Third benefit is lower maintenance. Fewer moving parts in your drivetrain means fewer things are going to break, fewer things that you need to maintain, um, which makes it easier over the long haul. So lots of people like to ride single speeds in the winter as a result. You know, there's not derailers to tune. That's probably my least favorite part of mountain bike maintenance. So once you set it, you can kind of forget it and not worry about how your bike's shifting or anything because you're not shifting. Yeah, I mean, really the only thing you need to do with a single speed is clean the chain and lube it occasionally. Make sure there's air in the tires. That's about it. Um, One of the other advantages that I would say it's maybe not quite as tangible is uh, you learn a lot better, you become a much better rider. So you get stronger because you only have one gear. So, you know, what people often joke that it's not a single speed. There's two speeds, there's riding, and then there's walking. So, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll climb better. Um, you'll learn to lay off the brakes because, you know, m- momentum is your friend and, Anytime you can avoid hitting the brakes, that's a few less pedal strokes that you'll have to make up for. So it teaches you to to pick better lines. It teaches you to take corners faster, and it'll make you donkey strong on the climbs. So um, there's also kind of some, I don't know, performance benefits as well. Yeah, and I would add, too, a lot of people really just enjoy it. They think it's a lot more fun because there's less to think about on the bike. You're not constantly worrying if you're in the right gear or, you know, if you need to shift. And, you know, it's just a, it's a simpler mountain bike experience pared down. And so people, a lot of, some people really dig that. So it sounds like there are a lot of advantages to single speeding, but 
there's obviously some trade-offs. So what are, what are some of the disadvantages of running a single speed on a mountain bike? I think one of the big disadvantages is that single speeding puts more wear and tear on the body, especially the knees. You know, you're putting a lot more torque down on the pedals to make your forward progress, especially when you're doing low revolutions at like high resistance, like when you're going up a steep climb, something of that nature. So it can really put a lot of wear and tear on the body, which means, you know, you could be at risk for some overuse injuries down the road. One of the disadvantages to me is just the speed that you're able to pedal on like flat sections. So going downhill, generally you're not worrying about pedaling um, and that's fine. And then going uphill, it's usually, you usually set your single speed gearing to allow you to climb at, you know, sort of a reasonable speed. But where you're really going to notice that you're slower is on the flat sections. You can't really like open it up on a single speed. You're going to have to work your legs really, really fast to keep up with everybody else that has gears. Yeah, we call that spinning out when you're on the road and your legs are just whipping around. Um, yeah, I mean, it really depends on on your terrain and what your ride is like. And, uh, you know, that's maybe why a lot of single speeders tend to ride with other single speeders. So, you know, you can kind of stay together a little bit more. Uh, that's not to say that there's not really fast single speed dudes out there that can hang with geared riders because there certainly are those guys too. So. They just have really fast-moving legs. So obviously just having one gear can make, especially climbing, a lot more difficult. So how does somebody get started with single speeding? Is it is it tough to get started? Is there like a certain level of fitness that you need before you can really give it a try? I don't think so. I mean, if, you, if, it's, if you're already a strong rider and you're interested in a single speed, like we said, you can pick one up for not a lot of money or possibly even convert a current bike. If you're brand new to riding, it is going to be a little bit tougher if you don't have the fitness, but like I said, it's also going to make you really strong and you know, if you start out riding a single speed, chances are you know, you're going to be a, a really good rider down the road when you transfer over to other bikes because you'll have learned, you know, really good fundamentals all the way around. So, uh it's not it's not really tough to get started. I mean, it's uh a bit of a if if you're already a well-seasoned rider, it's going to be a bit of a slap in the face maybe when you go out to a trail that you're used to, you know, you're used to being able to clean everything on and now you ride a single speed out there and you can't, but that's also a good challenge. I remember, you know, for instance, riding out at Conyers, there's a, a really steep climb at the end of the trail and I remember the first time, you know, I was finally able to make that up on my, uh, make up make it up that on my single speed and that was, you know, that was awesome because showing that I was progressing. So, uh, no, it's, it's not tough to get started at all. All you need is a bike and a trail. Cool. Yeah. I guess it's a, a mental thing for a lot of people too, that, that you worry that you're not going to have enough gearing, but like everything you can, you can, you'll progress and you'll definitely get more used to it the more you do it. So one of the big things that a lot of people who ride single speed talk about and geek out about is gearing. So how does the gearing work and how do you choose sort of the best combination of a chain ring and a, a rear cog? Uh, there's a lot of factors there. There's, you know, your, the trails that you're riding, your personal preference, maybe your, your, your weight. You know, I'm a big guy, like 200 pounds. So when I was riding single speed, I tended to go for a little bit 
um, of a shorter gear. You talk about gears being either tall or short. So a shorter gear is an easier gear. Um, and that's because I needed, you know, I needed a little bit of extra help on the climbs. So I would tend to run, you know, depending, like, let's say I was going up to North Georgia or, you know, Pisgah somewhere that there's going to be plenty of climbing during the ride. I would usually had a 32 tooth chain ring in the front and for the rear, for a big ride like that, I might even go to like a 20 or a 21 tooth cog on the rear. Um, just, just so I don't, you know, kill my knees trying to trying to climb um and then for more you know trails that are more around the the metro area that maybe maybe don't have as much elevation you know maybe i go with like a 32 18 so that's going to allow you a little bit more speed on the flats so it really it really varies depending on on the trail that you're riding and that's you know maybe one of the you know disadvantages of single speed that if you want to change your gear you know it doesn't take a long time but there is some you know, some swapping of parts involved, or you can do like a lot of people do, and you just run what you brung. And if your bike came with a 3218, which is, you know, pretty much a, a standard gear for a, a 29er single speed, then, you know, that's just what you ride everywhere. And like I said, you know, if you can't ride it up, you just walk. So, um, so yeah, depends on, depends on your trails. So the main thing that I take away from that is that, you set your your front chain ring so most people generally will run what like a 32 yeah and then you can adjust in the rear you can try different cogs and see which one you need depending on the terrain or just whatever you're comfortable with so most people are swapping at the rear and kind of leaving the front fixed yes yeah it's a, it's it's a lot less of a hassle to to swap a uh a rear cog than it is to swap out chain rings. Right. And rear cogs are probably less expensive than buying new chain rings. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people that ride single speed, you know, dedicated, they'll have, they'll have a selection of cogs, you know, like I know I have, I probably have, you know, 16 tooth as the smallest up to 22 tooth and then a few there in between. So it's good to have a, a mix so you, you can have the option to to change depending on where you're going to ride right on so can any bike be set to run single speed you mentioned converting a bike is it is there a special frame that people need or can they run single speed on any bike there are single speed specific frames and there's kind of a, a couple different ways you can go about doing the chain tension you can either do it at the rear, at the rear wheel, like at the dropouts. So you can have either the wheel slide in the frame or some sort of mechanism that allows the dropouts themselves to uh, to rotate and take up any slack in the chain. Or you can have what's called an eccentric bottom bracket, and that's where the bottom bracket actually rotates to pick up the slack in the chain. So. Those are, you know, two, the two most common ways. Um, you know, both both of them have their merits, and both of them work. Um, I prefer the personally. I prefer adjustment at the rear wheel. It tends to be a little more solid in my experience. But um, you know, I've also had eccentric bottom bracket frames that worked great as well. Uh, you can adapt some bikes. Um, 
hardtails specifically. Uh, you can get a single speed conversion kit. There's a bunch of different companies that make those and some of them use what looks kind of like a little mini rear derailleur, but it's basically just the um, like a pulley wheel and a cage uh, and that that's what's used to keep the tension on the chain to keep it from from bouncing off. Uh, so that you can definitely convert almost any bike, almost any hardtail, I should say, almost any hardtail to a single speed if you want. Um, the thing with, I mean, you know, if, if you care, the thing with the conversion kits is they don't look super clean, you know. It's like one of the, kind of one of the things that attracts people to single speed is how clean and simple they look. And then when you have a conversion kit, you've got this, you know, little half derailleur dangling out there, so... Uh, but it'll work. So do people need specific chains and chain rings for running single speed? I know I've seen these for sale online, single speed chains. They usually seem to be a little bit heavier um, and maybe a little burlier than a regular chain. Um, but then I've also heard people say that like nine speed and 10 speed chains work really well for single speed. So what is there specific stuff that you need? You can buy a, a single speed specific chain and they they tend to be cheaper, which is kind of nice. I mean, I think most single speed chains are like 10 bucks. So, um they are cheaper, but they are they're really heavy, but again, they're they're strong. Um but they are overkill. You don't need a single speed specific chain necessarily. And like you said, a 9 speed chain will work great. Those are actually relatively affordable now, especially since you know, most people are running 10 or 11 speed these days. So you can save yourself a bit of weight and there's not really any drawback to going with a, a nine speed chain for your single speed setup. You don't need a special chain ring. Uh, I know some people do run narrow wide chain rings, but if your chain is tensioned properly, it's not going to be coming off. So that's not, that's not something that's required. So any, any uh, chain ring will work for uh, single speed, which actually, if you're not doing narrow wide, that opens it up to, you know, odd tooth count chain rings if you want to get really weird with your gear selection. Like I, I ran a 33 tooth chain ring on one of my single speeds for a while just because I had that chain ring laying around. Um, but obviously you can't have a narrow wide in an odd tooth count. So um, no, nothing really, nothing really special. I mean, apart from the uh, the single speed cog, I'd say that's one one place where you do maybe want to spend a little bit more money is on the cog itself because there are really inexpensive um, like stamped steel cogs that you can get and they'll you know they'll work and they'll wear a long time but they'll also chew the crap out of your free hub body so uh, especially on a single speed where you're putting so much torque into a single gear and it's in one spot. You're really, really going to chew up your free hub body, um, you know, to the point where you know it'll make it difficult to remove the cog and could even damage it to the point where you know you have to replace your free hub body. So if you spend a little bit of extra money on a cog that has a wider base on it, it's going to give it a much better, uh, a much better, much more surface area in contact with the free hub body, so it won't it won't damage it as much. So that's one one place I would say. Um, to, you know, spend a little extra dough there and save it other places and at like the chain ring and the chain. So one other thing I wanted to ask about was belt drives. So it seems like 
a lot of single speed people or people who are moving to single speed are interested in belt drives, the Gates carbon drives specifically. Um, are there any caveats to running a system like that? You do need a specific uh, frame for a belt drive because if you think about a chain, you can break the chain, right? And that's how you get it around the cog and around the chain ring. But with a belt, you can't do that. So the frame itself actually has to break. So you have to either have a dropout where the uh, chain stay or the uh, seat stay can come apart from the frame or just some kind of mechanism where you can slip that belt through. So you cannot just convert any old any old bike to a belt drive unless you want to get out the angle grinder or something. And um, the the belt drive is a little, you, you don't have as much flexibility um, changing the gears. So if you want to, you know, change your gear for a race or a different ride or whatever, uh, you may have to get uh, a chain ring, or I guess a belt ring in this case, uh, a cog and a new belt. So you may have to have like entire different setups uh, for changing your gear because, you know, the belt is, uh, you know, it's a finite length and you can't add it, add links to it or take links out of it. So uh, the there is little it's um, tedious maybe i don't know is the right word but there's a little bit more going on with the with the belt drive a couple things to add on that too is that a belt drive system is much more expensive than a standard chain single speed system so you know that cost advantage is going to disappear disappear if you go with a belt drive uh, second is that a belt generally is supposed to last a really long time much longer than a chain but if you break a belt, you can't repair it. Like you can repair a broken chain with an extra link. You can't do that with a belt. So even though your belt is likely to last a really long time, most belt drive riders still end up carrying a spare belt with them. So you're probably going to have to commit to doing that as well. So both of you guys kind of alluded to this earlier, but um, it seems like single speed mountain biking has sort of a cult feeling to it. Why do you guys think that is? Now we're talking sort of the psychology of it, right? Um, but I think it's a little bit of uh, the dedication that it takes to ride a single speed. You know, we haven't really talked about much, but single speeding is simply really, really difficult, um, which, you know, if you're going to be dedicated to it and not just do it every once in a while for fun or training, but you're like 100% all the time single speed rider, that takes a lot of uh, dedication and commitment and um, – sort of like this rabid belief in like an anti-gear cause, you know? So it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> no, it's almost like, whoa, going deep, right? bro. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's more like the mental, you know, dedication I take to dedicate to that. So yeah, it's interesting for sure. You'll see it at almost any race. They'll have a special category for single speed. And yeah, it's definitely kind of a niche and it's a group that seems really tight knit. I know I've seen the here in Georgia, the Georgia state single speed championship race is always a big deal every year and a lot of fun for people. And then I guess there's national single speeds too. And those, mm -hmm. those can get kind of, kind of wacky at those races, right? And there's a world championship oh. every year. Whoa. N not sanctioned although there are um you know that's kind of been one of the the things in um i don't know the single speed community 
uh, is, you know, more and more people are doing it. And now you have, you know, USA Cycling adding, I mean, single speed categories to their races, whereas before it was, that was part of the, you know, the whole mystique, the allure to single speeds was, you know, we're off here, we're doing our own thing and we're making our own rules. And then, you know, they kind of been co-opted by the (laughs) USA Cycling now. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think it's uh, more than anything, it's just people that like to have fun and, you know, that's what they're, they're trying to maximize their fun and they don't care about necessarily about having all the latest and greatest, you know, bits hanging off their bike. It's just... They care about riding bikes and being out in the woods. Yeah. And isn't it the, the world champs that the winner has to get a mandatory tattoo? Is that, is that yes. the deal? Yeah. Yeah. So it moves around every year. Um, I'm not sure where it is this year. I want to say it was in Scotland. I don't know, but it's it's been, uh, it was in Alaska a couple years ago. It was in Japan last year, I believe. It was in New Zealand before. Uh, so it moves around every year, and there's always some kind of like wacky uh, tournament at the end of it to decide who's going to host the event uh, the next year. Um, but yeah, every, so every year there's a different tattoo design, and if you win, you have to get the tattoo. So um, don't. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Don't win if you don't want the tattoo. <laughs> Pull up right at the end. You're like, no. Don't win on accident. So. We've talked a lot about the, the equipment and the riders. What makes a good trail for single-speed mountain biking? I've heard people refer to certain trails and say it's a good place for single-speed. But what, is that, what does that really mean? You know, we talked about maintaining momentum with the single-speed. Any trail that allows you to do that well is going to be a good choice. So a flowing, rolling trail that uh, doesn't have too steep of transitions into the climbs and the descents, uh, doesn't have super tight awkward corners, you know, anything allows you to keep that flow going. Um, it's sort of my opinion that single speeding or at least, um, where you see big groups of single speeders is sort of a regional influence depending on the terrain. Uh, in my experience, I've noticed a whole lot more in mellower places in the Southeast in Georgia and South Carolina, where you simply, the trails aren't huge and mountainous. So you don't, use as much gear range no matter how fast you're going so it's much easier to get away with a single speed whereas if you're climbing you know three or four thousand vertical feet and then you're descending really steeply or there's lots of short steep ups and downs i think it's more difficult to single speed so it's been my observation that you'll find bigger groups of people single speeding where you just don't need as much gearing however there's always going to be people that break those molds. I wrote about a friend of mine and he rides a single speed rigid and we climbed up a 14 or summited 14,000 foot mountain and then rode back down 6,000 vertical feet. So, you know, there's always going to be people that break those molds, but in general, I think the trails, you know, help promote and foster some of that single speeding. That's a really good definition there greg i would just say for people that don't know uh greg mentioned his buddy rides a rigid bike and that just means there's no suspension whatsoever so it's a hard tail but there's also uh a rigid fork there's no suspension fork up front which is another thing that um you know going back to the absolute simplicity and lightest weight you know it doesn't it doesn't get any lighter than a rigid fork so you will see 
a lot of uh, single speeders opting for a fully rigid bike as well. Uh, anytime where, anytime there's a trail where you can, you know, kind of stay on the gas the whole time and you don't have those sharp, abrupt climbs, it's, uh, it's more single speed friendly, but like Greg said, I mean, you can ride a single speed anywhere you put your little mind to. So, (laughs) yes. So before we finish up, I wanted to see if you guys have any recommendations for good single speed mountain bike frames. Uh, Niner has a bunch. Um, they've got, uh, the Sur nine, which is a steel bike. It's kind of their cross country, um, do it all model, uh, steel frame. They have the, the Ross nine, which is like their trail bike, uh, single speed. And these, these frames can be run single speed or geared. And then, uh, for the people that want the lightest weight possible they also do full carbon frames and some of those bikes i've seen them you know the niner the is it the air nine i believe um i've seen those carbon frames carbon forks and built up you know with pedals and everything in the like sub 18 pound range so just stupid light bikes but of course that's gonna cost you um but then some other ones like Kona does a couple really good uh, single speed frames. The unit is the steel one, I believe, and the big unit is their scandium frame, which is a little bit lighter and uh, a little bit nicer frame. But yeah, there's a uh, there's no shortage of, of people out there making making single speeds. I mean, every, like Trek and Specialized have single speeds in their line as well. Yeah, and I would say if you're you know going the single speed cult route and the whole um, steel, like anti-establishment sort of vibe. You can't really beat Surly. Surly has uh, been doing steel single speeds for a long time, and they probably are never going to stop. So definitely check out their bikes as well. And I'll throw in the Redline Monocog. That's one that's Classic. pretty popular. Yeah, it was one of the early ones, 29er. Um, pretty affordable bike. I ride a Redline hardtail uh, that's a one by 9 but... Yeah, super solid bikes. Um, and then if you want to do a carbon drive, there are a few choices out there, but the one that most people end up going with is usually a Spot. So Spot has been working with Gates for a while at um, perfecting those frames and getting everything dialed. So definitely take a look at Spot if you're looking for a, a belt drive single speed. Well, great, guys. This has been a fun discussion about single speed mountain biking. I wanted to mention real quickly that we have the new Single Tracks t-shirts, koozies, and stickers in the Single Tracks store online. Everything is free shipping right now, so definitely check that out and make sure you're rocking the newest threads this spring. That's it for this week. Talk to you next time. Peace.